This podcast is brought to you by members of the Portland community. Welcome to This Is Us Portland podcast, our local community conversation. We are the host, Mary Pont, Director of Youth Services, and Allison Benke, Outreach Coordinator. Our conversations will cover topics of interest and concern to all members of our community. We will be joined monthly by people who bring their voices of experience and knowledge to our roundtable. Topics of discussion will cover what deeply matters in our town of Portland. Please join us today to learn more about This Is Us Portland initiative. Good morning. We are here today with Alicia Farrell, who has been a visitor in our town for many, many opportunities with youth services as well as other things. Allie Banky is here as well today, and she's going to introduce Alicia and give a little background of what what Alicia really does out there in the world. <laughs> right. Good morning. Good morning, Alicia. Good morning. Um, it's great to be back here in the podcast, but this is us. I just wanted to read a little bio so that everybody has a heads up about how wonderful Alicia is. Um, we've had her here, like Mary said, many times, and we've loved every conversation. So we thought we would invite you back to join us on the podcast and maybe get more of the message out to you know, more members in our community. So um, Dr. Alicia Farrell is an accomplished cognitive psychologist, former university professor, national keynote speaker, and founder of Clearview Consulting. Her mission is to help individuals, couples, families, and organizations find their strength and courage to make healthy decisions and changes in their lives and business. Um, You've done amazing work here in town with us on some pretty heavy topics over the years, and today is no different. We're here to talk about stress, anxiety, the difference between the two, and how it's impacting our kids and our families, and across the spectrum, the age group. So welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I think one of the things we also want to mention is our parents have been very receptive to all of the, the information and messages that you've been bringing to our town. And we wanted to be able to get that message out to more people. And we have been doing this really getting a great response by doing our podcast with This Is Us, comma, Portland, a community conversation. So we want to welcome you to the table on that. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. You guys are doing it this way. It's Everybody's so busy. It's hard to get out. Right. So this way they can, they can listen and learn at the, on their own time. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we were talking before we started recording about um, about stress and anxiety and how prevalent it seems to be in, in our communities and in our culture all over the country. And the statistics certainly bear that out. Uh, lots of children and adults are real, really struggling these days. So, um, and it's a bit perplexing. Uh, I have some ideas we can kind of uh, play around with a little later in the conversation on why I think it's happening but the first thing I wanted to do was really to distinguish between stress and anxiety. Okay. Um, because there is a difference. And we're using the term anxiety oftentimes to refer to what is actually stress. And stress, in our culture, we look at it as a bad thing. Um, it's like, oh, my God, I'm so stressed. Oh, life's so stressful. I can't handle it. I'm so stressed. But actually, we are programmed as human beings to experience and manage stress. And stress is actually uh, can be a very positive thing. It can be a motivator. It can be a lifesaver. Our ability to respond uh, in situations that are stressful and to do so in um, in very quick in a very quick manner uh, can be very good for us. The differences between stress and anxiety um, fundamentally are that stress, 
tends to be circumstantial. So it's happening outside yourself. And it's things that are occurring in your life that are causing some agitation in your Mm -hmm. system. But that agitation is going to come and go. So you might have a chemistry exam. So you're stressed over that. Once the exam is over, you feel better. Um, That would just be a typical situation that, say, a teenager might be facing that would cause some stress. So anxiety, on the other hand, is very different. Anxiety is something that persists. So when I get individuals in my practice, whether they're children or adults, what I want to hear is that they have been um, they have been having a difficult time functioning in their lives for at least six months. Mm-hmm. So anxiety is something that is insidious, and it it causes all kinds of other problems. So stress can be a motivator. It's uncomfortable, but it can be a motivator. Anxiety is not a motivator. Anxiety is something that may cause you to isolate. It might, may cause you to detach. Um, it is uh, a chronic stress response that goes on in the body. So there's a lot of physiological things that are going on that are extremely uncomfortable. And uh, it's often not logical. It's right. irrational. So you're responding in situations that are not, you're not at risk. Yet you're acting like you are. Your body is acting like it is. Um, so it can be, you know, and is very challenging. Right. So it's flight or and fright consistently right. throughout your day. Yeah. Right. Even if there's not a, a cause for it, something to react to. Exactly. Absolutely. And, and is it a lot of times something that we really have no control over what is happening, whether it's the, the circumstances and that brings on those two pieces of stress as well as the anxiety. Yeah. Is that part so, of that? Uh, yeah. So Mary brings up a really important point. And um, what you're talking about is the difference between being in a situation where you're experiencing stress, but you have options. You have right. ways of acting and taking charge. When you're talking about not having that option, when you're in a situation where you feel at risk, but there's nothing you can do about it, that you're getting closer to really talking about trauma. And trauma is is yet another level, right? Right. So trauma, the definition of trauma is when you are experiencing something where you have a fight or flight response Mm -hmm. and it's significant, but there isn't anything you can do about it. So you're at risk and you can't take action. Right. That's why we're at such great risk for trauma in childhood because as children, oftentimes we're in many situations just vulnerable. where we're vulnerable mm-hmm. and we, you know, we can't act. Um, so what we talk about in relation to trauma is fight or flight or freeze. Okay. So what happens with trauma is that that energy that you experience in the moment where you're unable to take care of yourself and, right. and you're in danger gets frozen in the nervous system. Mm-hmm. And that's where it lives. It's an right. energy that lives in the nervous system. And oftentimes what, what I find in my practice and, and, um, and clinicians uh, find, all clinicians find, is that people will come in and present with an anxiety disorder or high levels of anxiety. And what you discover is it's actually Absolutely. a direct result of a traumatic experience that's happened to them. Right. So they're stuck. They're stuck in that reaction. Yeah. They're frozen. Yeah, exactly. But so here's the thing, though. Trauma, we all experience trauma. 
Like it's, it's, we think of trauma as often really big events that happen in our lives. But as humans, we, we will experience trauma. We all will. Right. So, um, so it's, it gets a little confusing, doesn't it? When we're trying to sort out, you know, what's stress, what's anxiety, what's trauma based. Um, and with our kids these days, and this, we could talk a little bit about what might be influencing this preponderance of anxiety Mm -hmm. um what i'm seeing is a lot of secondary post-traumatic stress in kids in my practice because of um social media and the internet absolutely so a lot of kids are being exposed to um content that is developmentally inappropriate Mm -hmm. so kids are you know getting they're getting connected with pornography very early on with violence very early on right. and they have no way of processing it they're not mature enough and they actually experience a traumatic right uh, you know, they have a trauma response right right so it's not your what you would assume as trauma so it's not this big overriding event in their life it could be 10 minutes sitting at the computer where they're processing information that's just beyond them exactly something they're not capable of hand- handling developmentally right. right right so they get stuck in that moment yeah, or they're you know they're on social media too early. Yeah, yeah, um, which may actually be you know even <laughs> even in their early teens, it's maybe too early yeah. to be on social media. I mean, yeah, I know that sounds crazy and virtually impossible to to manage in this day and age. Right, but um, but a social situation where uh, where they're being attacked or bullied or um, or uh, put down or criticized can be incredibly traumatizing for a teenager. Right, right. So you were talking about, and I know we had had an earlier discussion and I was really curious about it, um, this notion of everybody's anxious these days, mm. right? Everybody has an anxiety disorder, whether it's actually diagnosed or not, we're presenting as a culture in that way. And Alicia was speaking about um, stress, right? So we, we have normal everyday stress that everybody experiences and how do you get, how do you deal with it? Yeah. And how do you move past your stress? And is it stress or is it anxiety? And I think that would be just an interesting thing to talk about, you know, in relation yeah. specifically to our kids. Yeah. So I, I'll tell you what, my professional opinion is that much of what we're identifying as anxiety is actually just stress. And I say just, not that, you know, it's small, but the point is that, that I think our kids are not learning how to be resilient and how to have grit in the face of life challenges. Right. And what they're actually initially experiencing is just normal. It is a response to failure. It's a response to making a mistake. It's a response to a difficult social situation. And they're identifying it because we as adults identify it as anxiety. And what we need to be doing is really normalizing that for our children. And helping them understand that they can handle life because, and from, and that's going to start from the day they're born. We have to start working with them on that. I think it's important to, with trying to figure that definition that there isn't like a column on a paper that you can list. Okay. This is going to be a stressful situation Mm -hmm. in your life. This is going to be an anxiety situation and then pick and choose. Well, this is how I'm going to react to it because you're in the moment. Yes. Whether it's not necessarily a fight and flight, but it's that moment of how do you personally self-identify 
I'm having an anxious moment. I'm having a stressful moment. And I think it, that's a good point, Mary. And I think really the answer to that is there's no need to because the 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 antidote to both are the same thing. So the antidote to anxiety isn't less anxiety. It's actually allowing yourself to experience it and push through it and realize that you're okay. And the same is true for stress. So you don't have, you want to make a distinction clinically. You want to make a distinction when anxiety is influencing the quality of somebody's life, which is what anxiety can do. And they can't push past that. And they can't push past past that. Exactly. That's, but besides those clinical situations where somebody is, is suffering to that degree, right. The rest of this stuff, the answer is really, you know, you're going to be okay. Go try it, and we'll pick up the pieces afterwards. It'll be okay. Right. You can handle it. It's almost it. that risk of failure. Are they willing to risk the failure to see if they can push through it? And in this culture, unfortunately, uh, us parents and teachers and administrators mm-hmm. and, and, and community mentors, we are unwittingly communicating to our children that they can't not fail, that they have to be perfect in right. order to be okay. Right. And I think that is fundamental to what is happening in our children in right. relation to anxiety. Yeah. They, they really feel like if they make a mistake, that's significant enough, they can't recover from it. Right. And we are communicating. That's not a normal thing to, to experience as a child. Right. Because you shouldn't even really know that concept. You should just be out doing your thing, right? Right, right. They're getting that message. Right. And if, and if, and if your parent or your caregiver has a lack of coping skills and you're watching this every day, you know, I can't cope, I can't cope, I need wine to cope, I need this, I need that. You're just taking that in as a kid. So Absolutely. from day one, you're lacking those those resiliency factors that you know really you should be mo- that should be modeled to you. I think back to um, one of our early conversations ye- years ago, three four years ago, when my kids were really small, and one of the take homes that you said to me that I still do to this day is it is okay to tell your children when you make a mistake and you're overwhelmed. Even if you're giving them a negative response to it, so I apologize to my children, and I it it stuck with me. And they, therefore, now they're older; they're seven and nine. I see them modeling that behavior in their life because you know I'm mom. I make mistakes, and it's okay. Yeah, and I openly admit that to them. And it's not that I'm you know, I don't know. Some parents see that as weak, or but you know, sometimes I'm I'm stressed out, having a bad day, and I snap. And it's okay to stop and say, "Look, honey." You know, your behavior, X, Y, Z, you were throwing a temper tantrum, not right, not okay, but I overreacted. Yeah. And they really, they really grow from that and they learned and they now do that in their life. They'll have a, t- you know, a complete meltdown, say my seven-year-old before bed and she'll stop me right before she goes to sleep and go, mom, man, I'm sorry. I was just so tired. Yeah. <laughs> I just need to go to sleep. We, and she's able to, to cope with her behavior yeah. And get to sleep understanding, you know, cause and effect. And that, that was one it. simple thing, right? And I was lucky enough to meet you moments, when, I was, moments when I was young. Back and say, wow, I was a crazy person and you were a crazy person and crazy people together don't work well. Right. So let's just right. laugh about it, get over it and move on. But and how think, do we as parents? Exactly. And I think it's harder for some to do that. You know, it's just harder for, and it's, it's our personal makeup too. 
You know, well, every human being is different. When and you do that with your children, you're teaching them so many things. Right. Like you're teaching them to be gentle with themselves. You're teaching them forgiveness. You're teaching them to connect their mind and their bodies. Mm-hmm. So they're realizing that emotion lives in your mind and your body. Right. And 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 you're teaching them to label too, to label their emotions. So one of the most important things to do for all of us, whether it's stress or anxiety, is to label it. Because when you label your emotions, something happens chemically in your brain. It actually allows your brain to start to calm down when you just the act of labeling it. So just like your daughter saying, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I was so tired. Or I don't know, I, I was feeling just completely out of control in that moment. Right. Or I'm really, really sad about having lost my pet. And even though that was too much ago I'm realizing I'm still feeling sad right. but being able to label those and emotions visual. and to understand mm-hmm. that you know this is a, this is our human experience right. right and even you know we have this you know this whole mindfulness and the positivity and all this kind of stuff and I, I, I want to just I want to make sure people understand what all that means mm-hmm. so being positive is not denying negative emotions mm-hmm. Really, really important because people think of being positive and, and it's always so important to be positive and look at things, be grateful and look at things. It's not taking a situation that is causing you stress and saying, I'm not feeling this way. Right. I'm going to, you know, this right. is, I'm going to look at the good side of things. Right. Well, no, you life is not 95% happy. Right. Yeah. Right. It's actually your ability to flow through your negative emotions to the positive, mm-hmm. but you can't skip that process because then you're just avoiding and denying. And we know when you do too much of that, that creates depression, that creates anxiety. So embrace, you know, you want to, want to encourage our parents to embrace the full, the full child, like everything that child brings to the table, whether there are emotions that tend to be negative and difficult or whether there are emotions that are positive this is all normal. Right. It's an right. all normal part of being human. Right. Right. And it's not all wonderful. No. And if we can't deal with the not wonderful, it's going to be really hard yeah. <laughs> as a teenager and as an adult to move oh. around in this world because times are stressful. Yeah. And, and stressful I, things happen to you, but also to the world. And how do we make sense of that without falling deep into ourselves? Yeah. Right. That's such a good point, Allie. I mean, really, we do. We really have to recognize that if you're... Think about where you're setting your expectations for yourself and for your children. Because if you set those expectations in an unrealistic place, and we are, we are setting unrealistic expectations and developmentally inappropriate expectations on our kids in general. Right. Then what does an individual do with that? Like you never end up feeling good about yourself. You never end up feeling confident. You don't feel like you can handle it. And that is a, that is a formula for anxiety and depression. Right, right. So and life is going to be difficult, right? And you are going to fail, and it is going to suck. Right. <laughs> I mean, it just is. Right. But right. that's there's uh, for the moment it's going to suck, and then it's going to pass. And then it's going to pass. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the important piece that we know that somewhere along the line it's going to be. This is not. I, I'm not having a a bad day, I'm having a bad week, I'm having a bad month, but knowing at the end, you know, was it the rainbow at the end, the train at the end of the tunnel, all those little scenarios, you know, are hit us in life, but it passes, but you have to work through it. And if you let it grip you 
And that's where you come in. If you let it grip you, then what happens? Where do you deal with it? Yeah. So what is the opportunity in pain and suffering? Because it is a, it is a normal part of human condition. Connection. Right. That's the opportunity in pain and suffering yeah. is connection. Right. And connection is the antidote to everything. Mm-hmm. Right. So what do we do when we're depressed? We disconnect. We, we isolate. What do we do when we have anxiety? We disconnect. Right. We isolate. Right. What does that cause? It causes all that to exacerbate. So, so when you're going through a hard time, one of the best things you can do is to connect. Right. Reach out. Reach out to family. Reach out to friends. Reach out to community. And allow it to happen. And allow yeah. it to I'm happen. Having a bad and day. Receive. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. But don't reach out on social media. Right. Right. <laughs> Honestly, reach out face to face. Reach out. There are actually now because we're ha- we're in such uh, we're having a loneliness epidemic in this country. Yeah. And um, they're having one in Great Britain as well, to the point where people are actually making upwards of eighty thousand dollars a year. Hugging other people. Yeah. I mean, charging $80 an hour to have somebody come over to your house and touch you and make eye contact with you and talk to you because we think we're connecting when we're on our technology and we're not. Absolutely. Right. In in Great Britain, they they actually have a hotline and it's just to talk to another human being and they're getting upwards of 10,000 calls a week. Right. Because it's a basic human wow. condition. We're we, social creatures. We are supposed This is the reality of human beings. We're social creatures. Yeah. 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 And if we don't think that that's contributing to our children's anxiety right. and stress and depression. Right. I mean, we really, and they, they don't have like all of us here. We didn't grow up with technology. I so know. we understand we what real connection is. But they don't because they they don't have the ex- they're tech natives they don't have the experience of not ever having technology in their right. lives right. and therefore they this is stress inducing for them right. eye contact right. physical contact right. you know like right. being close. and they've always lived in a go 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 world where they're they're doing everything moving 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 without stopping and connecting yeah so they've never yeah they've never experienced that. It is frightening. It's it's a whole part of yourself that's gone. And it's the most important part of yourself. Right, right. So what we're raising, we're raising our children in a performance-based society. Yes. So not a character-based society. Mm -hmm. And this is a distinction that I feel is critically important to understanding the, the stress, anxiety, and depression our children are struggling with. They're getting the message that their worthiness, their value is predicated on how well they do. Right. So if they don't do well, and that means if they make a mistake or if they get a C or if that, then they're not good enough. Right. Not on who they are as human beings. So instead of a character-based society where our kids are learning integrity, and trust and honesty and perseverance right. and resilience. Right. Because if you take a child who's been ba- who's been raised to have character, right. they will perform. Yes. If absolutely. you raise a child under a performance-oriented structure, they'll fail at some point. They mm-hmm. will struggle. Yeah. And that is fundamentally culturally the mistake that we're making right, right now. Right. 
So these kids are getting the message that, I, and the boys, I mean, the boys are, are really struggling because academically they're being asked to do things they're not ready for. So they get this message very early on that they're not good enough. Right. And they right. check out. And they go, what boys do with anxiety and stress is they go in, most most boys, I'm, I'm generalizing for clarity, but they go in with their, and so oftentimes you don't see it. You, you know, you think, oh, he's just a little introverted or he's just a little quiet or blah, blah, blah. The girls do tend to go out with that energy. Right. So they're so more that's you get your drama and they're way. fighting me and they're. Right. 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 Interesting. That's. It's an interesting distinction in our world right now where we're living. It's, it's very true. I'm a parent with young kids, school age kids, and I see it all the time. I see we're drive, 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 but we never stop to just be. Yeah. And it might be something as simple as, you know, there's a Halloween bash coming and then the next night there's this event and there's this event and they go, 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 but they never stop to just be together and to talk and to sit and to make eye contact and to snuggle on the couch to do all those things that teach you humanity and to to, teach you reliability in your fellow humans. And what, what you're referring to Allie is, the definition of mindfulness. We have right. this concept of mindfulness in our society, and we're it's very, very simple what this is. Yes, it's very Presence. simple. It's very hard to do, right? But it's very simple. And Ali just said it. It's just being in the moment. It's just allowing yourself to get take all the noise, put it aside, right. and be in the moment. Right. And our children are not learning how to do that. Right? They're not. They're not learning. They right. they don't they're dissociated from themselves. Right. And then everybody's stressed out because then you hear parents all day. I'm stressed. I'm stressed. I'm stressed. I'm stressed. And kids are stressed, stressed, mm-hmm. stressed, stressed, stressed. Yeah. Because nobody stopped to just, you know, just be, to just be okay with not being perfect because and accomplishing in, it all in the moment. And we do this exercise when I work with people in the clinical environment, it's like, let's just, just take a second. And just be with me right now. Right. Look at my room. Look at my space. Just be because in this moment, this this millisecond, everything is okay. It really is. Like right. if you live mm-hmm. as much as you can that way, most moments are okay. Ninety five percent of your life is going to be pretty good. Right. And yeah, sure, five percent is going to suck. And you can get through that though, because ninety five percent is good right. when you focus like right. that. Right, right. But it is it is a practice. It is something that you. It's it's not something that you conquer and then you're you're able to do because our minds we that our minds are active. That's what we do. And unfortunately for us, we're not we're not simple. We're complicated. Right. We have a we have this thing, this prefrontal cortex that allows us to imagine the future, which is where a lot of anxiety comes from. Right. Or yeah. to process the past. Yeah. You know, my dog, my dog's like, This bone is awesome. Like I'm right here with this bone. Yeah, it's this great. This bone is the best bone I've <laughs> yeah. ever had. The dog eating the bone is not thinking about the It's fact gonna disappear. That, yeah. Yep. But we we you know, good and bad, we're able to process like that and that is a scrooge for us in a lot of situations right i've been meeting with a group for quite some time now that uh we're planning an uh a reunion class reunion we won't mention how long it's a long (laughs) one and just sitting around the table and having the conversation of when we grew up i grew up in the country and we called it the country kids and 
and this is Portland, by the way, the country kids and the city kids, which was downtown Portland. And the difference, and it came out really clearly as we were having so many of these conversations of when we grew up, what, what was going on in our lives. The country kids had their own little world because we had one car. We didn't have a lot of money. We didn't, we didn't get driven down to downtown Main Street to be able to walk to the drugstore. Not that we felt the need, because when you don't have it, you don't miss it, so to speak. But it was interesting to see that we revolved around what we were doing in the country and had the group, as well as the city had their group. Well, when we're looking at the kids in their social media, I didn't know most of the things that were happening downtown. Uh Did it bother me? No. Does it bother me when I'm like, well, no. But now what's happening, you're missing things. All of a sudden it's on social media. I didn't know that happened. I wasn't involved in that. I wasn't invited to that. Mm. I wasn't. So they're seeing this glamorous world that they're not part of. Some of my, my, my city friends just realized that back in the olden days, we had party lines. <laughs> we were ring number two. So it rang three times because three families were on the party line. Ah. So if you grabbed by accident, like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I got to hang up, call back. But just the little things of realizing that there are separate worlds that go on. That doesn't mean because you're missing out on this, this grandiose thing that's happening, you're really missing something. It's what you do in your life, the friends right. you have, yeah. that they can, you can be just as fulfilling with the friends and the great things that we did, you know, that, that they did. But I think that social media piece oh, is, uh. is, is just blurring that. Oh it's not God. even a line, but it's blurring it so much that it's, Oh, I missed that. Oh, I'm not part of that. I'm not. And then it's, I think internalizing in those kids and say, well, I'm not worth it. I'm not no. worth going. Like, did I care about those parties? I didn't know about them. So did I care about them? Well, that's, what we, about that's them? what we call no. Facebook perfect, right? Yeah. Everything's yeah. Facebook perfect. Yeah. Your family is perfect. Right. Nobody deals with crap. Right. Everybody's wonderful. And I think we've instilled so They have to post 25 <laughs> pictures oh, of something. Of how happened. perfect you are? 25 <laughs> pictures. And it's like, my attention span, unfortunately, or fortunate to me, is very short on that. It's like, okay, gone. You know, but um, we create but a culture. Of, create well, a culture of that. Yeah. And when I speak to the teens, I reinforce with them the fact that everything, and I'm exaggerating on purpose because it's very close to being true. Most things on social media aren't real, right? Like, first of all, nobody's that happy. Nobody's right. life is that great. Right. Nobody is that attractive. No. Nobody's family gets along. Like, you can see these these vacation pictures. And, right. you know, they're all smiling, like their arms around each other. <laughs> yeah, and two minutes day. before that, they were screaming yeah, at each other. Exactly. Uh, it, and but, but when you're young, you don't know. And even, I'll tell you, even the adults. Oh, absolutely. And I get the adults in my practice that are struggling to maintain a sense of reality because they feel FOMO. They feel fear of missing out. They feel like, oh, my God, my life is not as good as everybody else's life is. Uh, and they're comparing themselves and they're raising that bar to an unrealistic place. And then they feel like they can't meet it. Right. And I think we don't 
we don't say it enough to each other that we all deal with crap. Yes. Thinking this weekend, I was at the outlets with my husband and my kids were with my family in Rhode Island. So we had this two days without and you kids. went to the outlets? We, yeah, we, we went to the outlets. He needed shirts, <laughs> I right? Say that you went it was to the like outlets. 40 minutes. We also went oh, for a, minutes, okay. a big run together and did there great stuff. So we're in line and there's a mom in front with her, with her husband and three children, one strapped to her chest. You know, the two, the other two are like four and two. And they're a hot mess. The poor mom is dancing and singing and like <laughs> she's doing everything at seven o'clock at night to survive the gap outlet. And I stopped for one second and just said to her, we've all, we've, we've all been there. I know that dance better, you know, and she stopped. She goes, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, and just, but just that moment, yeah, that moment of humanity. And it means so yeah. much to have a mom who's, I didn't have kids for 24 hours. So I was put together. We had gone out to dinner. I was looking good, right? <laughs> like I got my stuff together, but four years ago. I was the mom in the sweatpants, jiggling the baby in the front carrier, trying to survive. Yeah. And we don't do it. No. We don't do it as humans to say like, crap happens all the time and life is really sucky and you're going to walk out of the store and they're going to fall asleep in the car and it's going to be okay. Yes. But that's oh, just those God. moments of, gosh, and maybe this is a good segue into what can we do, right? How, how can we support our teens, support our families and look at those try moments. to fix past 15 years of social media and the change you know really we've changed our culture entirely we've changed humanity entirely we have in the past and and very short time you know getting back to a better place is going to be um it's going to require something very challenging and that is that we we have to start thinking for ourselves we're we're in the midst of this group think we're all drinking the kool-aid believing that you know, life, life is nothing but, you know, stress and anxiety and depression and violence and all this horrible stuff is going on around us. But really, in a lot of ways, life has never been as good as it is now. We've never been as well fed. We've never been safer, believe it or not. We've never been safer. And there, there's actually a wonderful book out there that, that um, it's called Factfulness. And it's all about based on statistics the condition of the world and how things have gotten better rather than worse. Right. So there are these core, really important issues that we need to address. But the way to do that, in my view, is to get back to what's important to us. If we all decide what are your values, right. what's important to you, and then use those as a filter to make decisions in your life. Right then things will, and and you're going to have to do that in the face of a lot of pushback. Because if you feel like downtime is important to your family, Mm -hmm. doing a whole lot of nothing together, that means that you are going to have very clear boundaries and restrictions around the screen time that your children spend. Maybe you don't buy your, your child a smartphone until they're in high school. I know. Oh my God, how could I possibly okay. do that when these kids are living their lives and my child's right. left out? And But if you if you do it and there are parents out there that are having courage around this and what they're finding is the kids figure it out. Yeah. They're okay. They're going to be okay. Right. But it really, the changes aren't, excuse me, the changes aren't going to come from the top down. We can't wait for these organizations to tell, to tell us or to restrict the kind of apps that are being developed, or we can't wait for federal regulations around recreational marijuana and, you know, all this yeah. madness that's yeah. going on in our country. We 
have to decide boots on the ground, what's right for our family, and then stick to it. Right. And that's what's going to push the change. Right. So, so if you're focusing on your childhood like it's a che- or your child's childhood like it's a checklist, and there are certain things you have to do in order for your child to be successful, right? Then you're raising that child based on a performance-oriented parenting style. If you're getting to know your child mm-hmm. and you're allowing your child the room to make mistakes and and understand and learn about themselves. And you're there to just sort of encourage them and pick them up when they fall and dust them off and push them back out again. You're raising your child based on a character, based right. parenting Right, style. and you're, you're developing coping skills that will carry them through those hard things. Exactly. So they'll wipe themselves off. And they'll say, I'll and be they'll, okay. And they'll move on. Right, right. I think the one thing that we do need to recognize um, is that the, the flip side of this coin, this anxiety coin, is that there is, there can be a genetic um, component mm-hmm. to anxiety. And so there are individuals that are born that are predisposed to being more anxious. Right. And, um, and it's pretty, I'd say it's pretty straightforward recognizing these kids. They're going to tend to be early on to be the more um, introverted children, the more cautious children. They're not going to be um, as uh, risk-oriented. Right. And when you have a child like that and you recognize it, what you want to do is instead of protecting that child, right. you actually want to push that child out. So gently, gently push them into situations that are uncomfortable for them, not excruciatingly so, so that they just lose it and break down. Right. But you want to push them out and say, you know what, you're going to be okay. We'll figure this out. We'll talk about it later. And that's how that child is going to learn to manage what they're genetically predisposed to experience. Right. Right. Um, If you instead protect that child, you're going to be enabling the anxiety. Right. You're never teaching the resiliency skills. Right. So, even starting just with the little guys, don't do for them what they can do for themselves. That simple pres- that Absolutely. simple principle of slow, steady introduction to the world. Yeah. <laughs> the not-so-perfect world. And also you want to try not to be too talkative mm-hmm. as a parent with an anxious child. So your tendency may be to prepare that child for everything. So let's say they're going for a sleepover. And so you say to the child the day before, okay, so here's how it's going to go. And we're going to get in the car. We're going to go over to Johnny's house. I'm going to get out with you. I'm going to take you in. I'll stay until you give me the thumbs up and then I'll leave, but I'll stay in the car. And you go all through this whole thing. Well, what the child hears is I'm not safe. I'm not okay. I can't handle this. And mom is really anxious. And mom is really anxious about me going. And so that child is not going to want to go. They're going to experience a lot of anxiety. So you try as a parent, don't be too talkative. Don't prepare your child too much for what's coming up. Right. Um, Give them the message that they can handle it. Right. And that they'll be okay. Right. That you trust them that they can, they can do this. So we talk about um, intergenerational transfer, and that's when 
and we all do this, by the way. So, so I'm going to say this, and every parent out there is going to go, "Oh my God, I totally have done that. Now I've ruined my kids." <laughs> we all do it because we're human. But what intergenerational transfer is is that we have our own stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, we have our own anxiety and depression and stress and this and that, and we often will pass that to our children. So if you are struggling, you want to get help for yourself. Right. So if you have anxiety, get treatment for it. If you have depression, get treatment for it because that's going to help your child not experience that themselves. Right. Right. So take care of yourself first because you are the most powerful role model in your child's life. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, is this a good place? I think we yeah. I think so. I think we've wow. come to a good a good point of understanding. At least I do. Just just to have the reflection that we can't just throw out the title anxiety all the time. And we can't teach our kids that. Because yeah. they say it. I, mm-hmm. I see it in women that surround me. I'm anxious, I'm anxious. And you're really just labeling something instead of saying, you know, sometimes life is really hard. Yeah. And it's okay to be really hard because that's part of the human condition. If life was always perfect would really not be that interesting. No, we wouldn't experience joy. So you want to have the right. whole the down spectrum and the of emotion. Mm-hmm. Right. So how do, how do we do that for our kids and help them and help them understand that? So today was, was great. It was, it was fun talking. And Thanks for and having me. It's a me, process. Guys. It Enjoy isn't like us. an instant ma- magical thing that's going to happen. No, you know, no think, it's an awareness. I think about the, the jungle book. Is it the bear who sings the bear necessity in Egypt? Mm-hmm. Right. It's around the bear necessity in life. And sometimes we have to think about the bare necessity maybe with our families as that piece versus the the bigger picture. We have to be part of that bigger picture. You have to start with that that little yes. bare necessity of your family. Think about your family first and then you can venture out and explore type of thing. So All right. Well, happy Tuesday. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune again every month for our continuing conversations. You can find the link on the Portland website and This Is Us Facebook page.